Welcome to Tackless Talks and next in our series on Pirkei Evos. We are uh, addressing the second chapter of Pirkei Evos, Perik Bez, and we're going to look today primarily at an issue in the very first mission, on the first paragraph. Two lines that on their surface almost seem contradictory. Rebbe, or Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, Rabbi Judah the Prince, who is the primary editor of Mishnah, is quoted really picking up in the second phrase of this Mishnah as addressing how we look at mitzvahs and have a zahir mitzvah kala kadachamura. Be as cautious, as scrupulous in performing a mitzvah kala, a light or minor mitzvah, as you would be when performing a more severe or intense or major mitzvah. There are mitzvahs that are certainly the foundational mitzvahs, let's say Shabbos or circumcision, and there are mitzvahs that are deemed more minor. Rambam, interestingly, uses an example speaking in the holy language of Lashon HaKodesh. But that, or other mitzvahs which may, again, if it's a mitzvah, it's a mitzvah, and we can't begin to imagine the spiritual gains we have in doing any mitzvah, but it's technically a light or minor mitzvah compared to another severe mitzvah, yet Rebbe teaches us in this Mishnah, be as cautious regarding the mitzvah, you do not know the reward, the ultimate reward for any mitzvah. And even if the Torah describes a reward, certain activities, the Torah says, if you do this mitzvah, then I will provide you crops. If you do this mitzvah, I will give you protection. Those are not the ultimate reward. As Rambam, at the end of his section on laws of Teshuvah, describes, the physical rewards in the here and the now, those aren't the ultimate outcome of our doing a mitzvah. Those are tools that God gives to give us greater capacity to do more good. We have shown that we are, let's say, good administrators over his money. We give to the poor, we lend to those in need. God says, I'm going to give him more money to continue and do even more acts of benevolence and charity. When we do the positive and God responds to that with the positive and the here and the now, that is facilitating our capacity to continue doing the positive or remind us maybe with a jolt when we've done something wrong and getting, getting us back on track, helping inspire us to correct our ways with the real outcome for both the positive and, should there, God forbid, be any negative, is going to be in a life where everything is far more consequential than in this very fleeting physical world. Any mitzvah, we can't grasp the ultimate reward for any mitzvah and therefore be super cautious, be concerned, scrupulous regarding all mitzvahs. Then continues the Mishnah, Calculate the loss of a mitzvah relative to its reward, meaning we have some type of a um, mitzvah facing us, let's say, I have decided that I'm uh, going to make the blessing before eating food. I have come to the awareness that I should ultimately be acknowledging God before partaking of his world. I'm going to recite the blessing. I have uh, a bagel in hand. I'm about to say the blessing of Hamotzi. But there is some loss. It's going to take me some time, if I don't know the text by heart, and I have to quickly... Um, search for that, and again, it's going to impact on what it was doing otherwise. And sometimes there is financial cost to doing a mitzvah, whether it's purchasing that esrog, or sukkahs, or the matzah for Passover. 
Sometimes there's a social cost. My peer, spouse, child, parent snickers, sneers at me for why are you bothering with that type of spiritual activity? And there's some type of a loss due to that mitzvah. Financial, emotional, time, social. But balance that out with the schar. On the other side of the scale, put the reward for the mitzvah and you will realize it really pays to perform the mitzvah. But wait a minute. We don't know the reward. We just determined one line ago, we have no way of really fully grasping the reward for any mitzvah. What am I putting on the scale? What is Rebbe teaching me to place on the scale to offset what I view as a loss? There's something tangible. There's an actual cost in time or dollars or, again, the social setback that I can fully perceive. What am I putting on the other side of the scale? So in the beautiful uh, printing of the, uh, the art school publication of the Pirkei Elvis Treasury, among their many, 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 many volumes that have Pirkei Elvis, it was one uh, very beautiful kind of like coffee table edition. And in that edition, uh, their author, the one who put together this work, references the Hafla and the Imre Emes, two great sages of yesteryear, and one went back several hundred years, one a little more recent, and I want to actually, I'm going to read a few of the lines in this text because I find that the way he presents it is simply very clear, articulate, and meaningful. So I'm picking up over here. In truth, it is impossible to know the reward for mitzvot, which is limitless. However, each person is evaluated according to his or own valuation of the mitzvah. By calculating the temporary loss he may incur in the performance of a mitzvah, and demonstrating his willingness to, quote-unquote, suffer that loss, in order to fulfill God's will, one, in effect, puts a price on the mitzvah. For example, a person was on his way to a business meeting to close a deal, from which he stood to gain a profit of $5,000. He passed a fellow Jew stranded on the road, stopped to help him, knowing full well that by coming late to his meeting, he might jeopardize the deal. By demonstrating his willingness to forgo the money for the mitzvah, he set the minimum value of the mitzvah, and hence he determined his own reward. And I believe, that's quoted from that flaw, that even if we don't end up in such a crisis, but our attitude, our devotion to the mitzvah, our readiness to do the mitzvah, even if it would have generated a loss, that sets the price. And continuing what he quotes from Imre Emes, that really takes it to the next step. He offers a similar approach. I'm going to paraphrase this one. So back to our case of the mozi. You either always make a blessing before eating, or you have just recently come to that recognition that it's the right thing to do, or you've decided, I'm going to take this on, that at least every Shabbat, every time I eat food on Shabbos, I'm going to make a blessing. Wherever you're up to, when you are at that moment about to say the blessing, and someone says, hey, here's $5 if you don't say the blessing. Come on, five bucks. I've determined that this is the right thing to do, and I'm going to do it. Keep your five dollars. And you start, Baruch, and he says, no, 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 wait a minute. Fifty bucks. Fifty bucks if you don't say the blessing. Now, your response, like, fifty dollars? I ha- understand that there's a spiritual gain in saying the blessing. This is a means of displaying my gratitude to God, who has provided me with so much pleasure in this world, and the taste buds, and the capacity to chew this food, and to digest it, and to be nourished. I'm not trading that in for $50. I'm not trading in my acknowledgement of God and my display of gratitude and my spiritual connectivity and elevation for $50. And you start again. Baruch Atah, wait. Hold the horses. Stop. 
Is there a price, a point at which we would break and say, okay, I'm trading in the mitzvah for that payment? To the degree that we would not, we would say, keep your money. I'm not going to skip eating the matzah on Pesach because you want to buy me out with some favor or you can be part of this in-group, come to our party instead of the Pesach Seder. I'm not going to skip Shabbos because of the fact that there's something going on socially or business-wise. Whatever, whatever that is that we would say, I'm not giving up the mitzvah, despite the fact that there is that theoretical offer on the table, the conceptual, or in some cases, actual, because there's something else that's the trade-off. We don't give it up. Are turning down the offer, performing the mitzvah, should then generate the following, and picking up in the text over here, if so, you should perform the mitzvah, <clears throat> whatever you are faced with, that you wouldn't give up for $5, $50, $50,000, $500,000, then now perform that mitzvah as if that's worth $500,000. Can we now say that, Motzi, realizing this bracha is a $500,000 bracha? Can I do the mitzvah recognizing it has that value? And so to the flip side, when it comes to avoiding a negative, avoiding Lashon Hara, there was something to be gained, something to be part of the in-group if I speak that gossip. My boss is going to appreciate that I ratted on somebody else. I may go to gain socially, financially, by doing something wrong. But if someone said, hey, here's $5 to speak Lashon Hara. Here's $50 to speak Lashon Hara. And I would realize, one minute, if I acknowledge that this is the wrong thing to do, I'm not letting you buy me into that wrong. So when we don't, when we hold back from Lashon Hara, we should be able to say, I've got that conviction that this is... $50,000 wrong, $500,000 wrong. It's worth a million dollars to not speak that Lashon Hara. One beautiful idea related to this very opening element of this beginning of the second chapter of Pirkei Avos. And hopefully in our next episode, we will move further into the third chapter. There's an enormous amount more in this second chapter, enormous amount more even in this very Mishnah. But what we'll be doing hopefully is making sure we can be connected, as we mentioned last week, to the cycle around the world this coming Shabbos uh, around the world. The third chapter is going to be studied. Our next episode will hopefully introduce at least one beautiful idea within the thir- third chapter. And we'll come back around to the second chapter, hopefully in a bunch of weeks, we'll cycle back around to the beginning.